The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. We're getting a slightly late start this morning. Uh, high summer is here, and uh, it seems to have some of the uh, fan bases in hockey in high spirits, uh, and not necessarily the good high spirits, but uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, more going on in the hockey world than a lot of people would think. Just because there's not many games on TV doesn't mean there's not a lot happening in the hockey world outside of Boston Bruins front office. Is there anything happening there? Because uh, it doesn't sound like it. I'm sure the cleaning people are in and out as needed. And um, yeah. yeah. Well, the cleaning people, well, as long as they get contracts, I suppose. Hey, they're they're a key part of keeping everyone healthy, uh, which means that they've probably done more for the team in the past six months than uh, the people who get paid a lot more. Yes. Uh, So let's see. We've got a college hockey story. That's an interesting twist on the old uh, on the old discussion. We have uh, last week's poll question about the Demko uh, trade idea. We have a couple of signings. Uh, Nazan Kadri is still unsigned. Um, <clears throat> Patrice Bergeron, David Krejci, still unsigned. But Keegan Colasar, he signed. Yeah. Oh, Three, and we two. have a new coach uh, reaching to the Babcockian Heights uh, for bad player treatment. Um, and absolute malfeasance uh where do we want to start or do we uh, want to start with something hopeful we should probably end with something hopeful but give us a positive uptick toward the next week um uh, updates on uh, we may as well get signings and updates out of the way i mean we missed the fact that huberdo signed a ridiculous contract Okay. Of the number of people who actually outscored him last season and the season before, Mm -hmm. based on their contracts, his isn't really ridiculous. Based on the fact that it took him a decade to get there or close to it, it is ridiculous. Why? I mean, think about it. Were we talking about Huberto as a top three player in the league in the first five or six years of his of his career? No, we were listening to Huberto fans talk about him as a top three player in the league over that time. Um, But but underperforming. So the idea is. The idea is that contracts are not payment for past performance. It's for future expectations. And, and for they're future clearly, expectations. They're clearly expecting him to be Connor McDavid light in Calgary. And not that light. Uh, I mean, you look at his numbers over the last two seasons. Um, only two players, and those are McDavid and and Dreisaitl actually outscored him in those two years. 
Austin Matthews was four points behind him. Johnny Goudreau was 12 points behind him. Mitch Marner, also 12 points behind him. Kirill Kaprizov, um, even further back. Mm-hmm. Mika Rantanen, further back. Hall of Famer to be Patrick Kane, well behind him. Um, Artemi Panarin, well behind him. And Nathan McKinnon, in 11th for scoring. Um, admittedly, McKinnon played 23 less games, but he was 23 points behind him. Um, I mean, points per game, McKinnon beats him, but uh, Brad Marchand behind him, you know, one's a center. Well, actually, both are left wings, theoretically, but... Yes. Um, based on his last two seasons' performance, the contract's not unjustifiable. If you whether, told, it's if going you, to work, whether it's going to work out as well in year five, six, and seven as it will, as it likely will in years one, two, and three. That's a different question. Uh, do I think that this is a contract that the 29 year old is going to earn out by performing as well for six or seven years as he did last year and the year before? I would love to see it. Well, I'd like first, first three years. Uh, first. No, where, where's the deal? So 22, 23 this season, he's still on his old contract, 6.2 million this year. And then he steps up to uh, your base. His base salary is, and, and this is how they get around all this crap. Salary base salary for the first three years is three and a half million per salary bonuses, 7 million per for the first three years. That yep. steps that steps up to one million when he hits eh, 32, 33, 26, 27 season. He goes down to one million in base salary and bonuses nine point five million. Wow. Some of those bonuses are arrived at camp. <laughs> <laughs> Some of those bonuses are woke up this morning. <laughs> Put on jersey without assistance. <laughs> Turned on the kitchen light. (laughs) Made a pass. (laughs) Put skates on correct feet. (laughs) Is that important? (laughs) I suppose it would be a lot less painful if you have them on the correct feet. Wow. I'm just I, saying. I, I, I have I, these I'm sorry. If they came, if they told me that he signed a an eight year seventy two million dollar deal, nine million per, I'd be a little bit more okay. I, I just you're paying this guy ten and a half ten and a half million dollars a year, and it's a new team. It's re re you got to restart chemistry with you with your line mates. It's an entirely new conference. And a higher level of press engagement. I mean, Calgary doesn't have the doesn't quite have the uh, the press contingent of larger markets like Toronto or Vancouver or Montreal in Canada. It's larger than Florida, though. 
but it's it's larger than Florida. It's larger than South Florida. And from the team perspective, though, while you think the contract is a bit much, and I don't necessarily blame you. Yes. They had to sign someone big and keep them satisfied. They just lost Goudreau. They just lost, um, they just traded uh, Kachuk for him. Yeah. They have to have a name player who's high production to replace them. And they had to show that they're willing to spend money on players in their system. So when you look at the rest of their system, are there guys who are going to be paid at the, in the top 15, 20% of the salary band for the league? I don't see them yet. Um, we can make, we can make the case that it's going to be Noah Hannafin in a year or two, uh, when his current contract's over. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm willing to talk about Mackenzie Wegar maybe being in the top 30% of the league, maybe, depending on how well he does over the next two years, over the next year. Um, but they have to show, and there's also Sean Monahan. We don't know what's happening with his, with his health. But he's yeah. going to come back at some point, uh, we hope. And he's due a contract at the end of the coming season. You can't constantly lose free agents for nothing. Otherwise, you end up with exactly that. Well, that this deal makes Elias Lindholm the number one steal in the NHL at this point. At least top three, but... I mean, Elias Lindholm's getting four point eight million a year. Four point eight five. Brad Marchand is still the top steal on the league. His whole contract. He gets he gets paid more than four point eight five mil per. But yeah, okay, I can see he that. He outproduces Lindholm by a decent amount as well. Lindholm's your number one center at this point. Looking at this roster. <laughs> And as far as his contract goes, he's going to be playing with the likely going to be playing with uh, with Huberto. So yeah. Yeah, I can't expect that his contract value will go down uh, between now and the end of his deal. No, they're going to have to find a way to pay him or trade him. Uh, they have they have to pay him. I mean, unless they can <laughs> somehow sign someone better or to someone's better because you need depth. Um, not going to happen. Elias Lindholm. Yeah, no, he's, he's got to be one at, 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 at his, at his contract level. He's got to be uh, somewhat of a steal. I mean, but yeah, he's going to play with Huberto. Right side is going to be, oh wait, Lindholm can't play center and right side. So it's going to have to be what Toffoli? Is he, a, uh, that, is he a number? Is he a, is he a top line right wing? Probably. Looking, yeah. at, looking at this roster, he kind of has to be. But ugh. again, they've lost a lot of talent. Now the West is still squishy. The West is still basically the at this point it's the Avalanche, the Canucks, and fourteen other teams. The Canucks. That's the way it is. When did you? I'm sorry, not the Canucks. The Oilers. 
Oh, okay. I was going to say, when did you vault the Canuck? I mean, you, you, you got that other story in, on your brain. so Yes, the, uh, the poll results. And, you really want to get to that, don't you? And fan commentary, which I think was... So, but anyway, just to, just to wrap up signing. So, Kadri not signed. Uh, read somewhere, there was an article that said, you know, should the should the Avalanche hang on to Nazem Kadri? Short answer: Yes. If can they, they do can. it, can they do it? I don't know. I don't but. think they can. Without trading one of the bigger names, unless you're going to suddenly promise Kadri an eight-year contract at whatever you can squeeze out of the squeeze into the salary cap today and then promise him, you know, additional money uh, in a, in a contract after that, which you really can't get away with doing. I don't see a way to do it based on what he's rumored to be asking for. There, the rumor I asked, what is he asking for? The rumors are that he's asking for nine a year. Ouch. I I like Kadri a lot. Leave I my arm attached. For, I think he was underpaid for most of his career, and some of that is because of his name and where his grandparents are from. Uh, and but it's I sad don't that we have to think like that. A year is reasonable. It's sad that you have to that that thought has to creep into. It really is. Oh, it's um, not a thought. It's an absolute belief. It, that, but it, uh, whatever it, it, it's just sad that that should have absolutely zero bearing. It should be. Th- this is hockey. This is not. Yes, I I, I get that, but it's still real. Um, I but mean, if he, want, if yeah. he wants if he wants nine, that's going to make him tied for second highest player on the second highest paid player on Colorado with uh, some guy named Kale. Yes, and we can't forget that McKinnon is due and, a contract. And McKinnon's gonna McKinnon, somebody at twenty six who does deserve ten and a half million a year. I'm now, gonna be fascinated to see what his contract turns out to be. Is he gonna wanna is he gonna want McDavid money? There's no reason he shouldn't want McDavid money. Does he deserve McDavid money? He, based on winning a cup and the other guy not having won one, he might deserve more. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, quite frankly, I think he's a more complete player. I don't think either one of them is Patrice Bergeron or no David Krejci or anything I, like that. I wasn't going there, but no. Uh, but I, I think that for me, though, it, while the production has been great. Hasn't this guy missed like significant amounts of hockey in his career? He's like, had like he's every, had some time. He only plays like every season. He's he's out, you know, eight or ten games. Yeah, he hasn't played a full season since eighteen nineteen. Um, and even no, that was eighty two. Like, go back to fourteen fifteen. He only played sixty four games. Yeah. You go back to fifteen sixteen. He played seventy two. Okay. Seventeen, eighteen. He played seventy-four. 
he did get into 80, all 82 games in his rookie year, 13-14. And then again, he did it in 18-19, or I'm sorry, 16-17 and 18-19. Uh, the 19-20 season, that was cut short. He Is still it just to miss seven games in the shortened... Oh, 1920, he probably played the whole season because 69 games, that's about where the pause started. That's about where the pause started. I still think he might have missed a game, but I'm not going to dig into it. If it, if it was one or two, big deal. But like yeah. 2021 season, he still missed seven games. And then last year he missed, <clears throat> uh, what is that, uh, 17 games total? That's a huge amount of mo- time and a huge amount of money. Not I wonder... Missed. I wonder if it's his playing style or if it's I, – I, I, I don't think he's fragile. It could be just his body. It could be something he's doing in training. I mean, he's so fast that he shouldn't get hit that much. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I mean, he there's, there are just guys who at game speed – are ridiculously fast, and he's one of them. He's You don't see him get blown up ever. You see him get made contact with along the boards here and there. You yeah. see him get made contact with in front of the net, but it's not like he stops and stands in front of the net. He skates through in pursuit of the puck, in pursuit of creating space, being a distraction, getting open. Um, he's... That, I mean, I think his next contract is probably going to be McDavid money. Um, whether that's the best thing for the team or not, you can certainly discuss. Um, I mean, I think that the, I think that with last season being a full year uh, for at least games played, and with next season uh, hopefully being the same that the league should return to normal or grow, growth in revenue. So, yeah, there should be some cap growth. I, I think we might see as much as $2 million, um, even with the even with the Vagabond Dogs playing in a uh, double-wide. <laughs> I don't know how the I, I I'm gonna have to wait and see how that one plays out. Oh, that's just how you can have a homeless NHL team is beyond me. But okay. Um. Another question for another time. So I know the answer to that question. We've discussed the answer to that question, but not in the last year or so. And right. we can do that later. So Kadri, I mean, I think that nine million limits where he can go and and he probably doesn't want to go to half of those places that can afford him. And the places that can't afford him are the places he wants to go. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Your buddy, the one that you like, Colasar, signed with Vegas. Nice little two-year contract, uh, three-year contract, $1.4 million per season. I think that's a good amount of money for him. He's a Good third, fourth line player, physical, has 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 a has a little bit of offensive uh, upside. I like him, so I think one I think one and a half, you know, about one and a half million dollars a year for him right now at this stage. I think it's good money. 
Absolutely. 6'2", uh, 220 and change, um, 25 years old. Uh, managed to put up 24 points, 68 uh, pims last year. You know, penalty minutes aren't what they used to be, but I don't. you don't see him taking a lot of stupid penalties. And amazingly, he hasn't managed to get a bunch of those reputation calls yet either. No, and for somebody who's physical like he is, that that's a, I mean, it's a good thing. So. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there we talked about. I tweeted about Trent Redrick uh, last year and his actual production versus what people seem to think of him, and was a little bit surprised. Uh, where do we want to go next? How are you saving? Are you saving your your? Your Twitter fun for later. Usually, I mean, you got you got Vancouver on the brain. We can talk about that now. So now, last week, as listeners know, <laughs> we talked about the idea of trading Zatra Demko. Just the idea, and I tweeted out. We asked the question on this week's show, and we want to hear what you think. Is trading Zatra Demko an option for the Canucks if they need to clear cap space? Now, I watched the results fairly closely for the three and a half days the poll ran. Uh-huh. For a good portion of the poll, it was right around an 80-20 split. Um, got a lot of votes, uh, more than I expected uh, this time of the year. And it turned out to be 15.5% yes, 84.5% no. But some portion of that... 84.5% were really, 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 really salty over even the idea of trading Fabian LaSalle. It accused me of, of trading Thatcher Demko and accused me of all sorts of weird stuff like trolling and trolling the Canucks fan base. <laughs> one, I am not in charge of anyone else's emotions. Two, uh, you listen to the show. You were part of the show. You pay reasonably close attention to what I say during the show. How many times did I talk about this being a good idea for the Canucks? I don't think we discussed whether it would or wouldn't. In fact, if anything, I'm the one who gave opinions because I said that it wouldn't happen. It shouldn't happen. I don't think that it's a good move for them. Did I ever disagree with those opinions? You didn't agree or disagree, actually. You kind of stayed on the fence. <laughs> Why? I don't know, because you didn't want to skew the results? I, I honestly don't know. I, I, I mean, I, I'm not shy about – I don't think it's a good idea. I said at the time that I didn't think it was a good idea. I don't think they should do it. They're paying him $5 million bucks, decent money for the goaltender that he is, probably a little bit higher than he should be, but – Okay. Oh, according to a Twitter fan, he is a $5 million goaltender who plays like a $9 million goaltender. Um, I've yet to see that. I shouldn't. Okay. I should qualify that statement. I've yet to see that over the course of many games. I've seen flashes. He periodically makes amazing saves. He has stolen a game or two. 
Oh, he's probably stolen five or six games. I mean, that's not mm-hmm. – I'm not going to undersell the kid by – any stretch of the imagination, but I'm also, but I'm also not deluding myself that he's a nine million dollar goaltender. As I responded to that <laughs> Twitter fan, show me nine million dollar goaltender who's putting up those numbers and tell me why you think it's a good idea. Now the system matters. The Canucks are not strong defensively, mm-hmm. but when you look at that team. And you look at, you know, the games played, save percentage over the last two years. He's played in, he's got 49 wins in 99 games over the last two seasons. He's got a 915 save percentage. That's, uh, I was told that he is a top three goaltender. So just, just last season, 21-22 season. Just last season, how many games did Thatcher Genko get into? Um, I believe it was 59. Games played, 59, okay. And his goals against, uh, which obviously we've discussed many times, team number, whatever, but it's used for comparison. His goals against would be? Uh, just a second. Uh, I don't have his individual stats up in front of me. Oh, that's okay. I mean, I did tweet out a bunch of the stats. Was well, um, his save percentage last? The nine twelve that was out is that his career number or is that last season? I think the nine twelve is his career number. All right, so let's see. Just last season, just last season, Thatcher Demko. He played in sixty four games. He played in one more game than the person I'm going to compare him to. He had a two point seven two goals against average. Uh, the person I'm comparing him to had a 2.22, so half a goal lower. Thatcher Demko had a 9.15 save percentage. The person I'm comparing him to had a 9.22 save percentage. That other person makes $1 million a year more than him and happens to be his predecessor, Jacob Markstrom. That's, so I don't think I don't think that Thatcher Demko is a nine million dollar a year goaltender. Sorry, do I think that Vancouver should trade him? No. Is he nine million dollars a year? No. Get over it. <laughs> and now you've known me for ever at this point. We don't need to go into numbers. <sighs> nope. But essentially forever. Yep. Pretty much. You know that I'll debate pretty much anything, regardless of what my actual beliefs are. Okay. I'll have to agree with that. Yeah, I, actually, I do have to agree with that. <laughs> so okay. for me to ask a question, regardless of whether I have a belief on it or not, or I simply want to see what other people think about it, not out of character. And I can, and occasionally have, simply for the sake of intellectual growth mm-hmm. or keeping myself from falling asleep in the middle of the day. <laughs> okay. Debated topics that I had fairly firm ideas about, or even against my actual beliefs. But when I state or do not state, a belief. 
Would you say that my statements are generally pretty valid? Or generally yeah. pretty close to the truth? Uh, yeah, I can go with that, sure. Yeah. So I looked up some of the numbers and I tweet I pulled all of these off of hockey uh, off of hockey reference. Um, so NHL yearly top 10 leaders and records for goals saved above average. Uh, when you look at last year, 21-22. Yeah. Um, and the year before, 2021, Thatcher Demko is 10th in that category. Now, 10th may seem like it's a huge impact, and it could be, because, you know, there's there's a certain uh, – the, how this is calculated is kind of long-winded, but it's an important category because it gives you an idea of what someone else would do in that space. Now, if you look at the 2021 season, Demko didn't play a huge number of games, so his – Goals saved above average um, number was only eight, putting him 10th in a shortened season. uh, By comparison, uh, Vasilevsky, who was in second, 21 goals. Saros, who was was tied for second, 21 goals. Varlamov in first, 22 goals. Now, 21-22 season... Third place is the gentleman you just compared him to, Jacob Markstrom. Yep. 26 goals. Uh, second place was Sorokin, 30 goals. Okay. And over last year's 82-game season, not that any of the goalies played 82 games, but most of them played more than they did in 2021, Shesterkin was number one with 45 goals, saved over expectations. Okay. Demko improved year over year. Um, I suspect that with the goal, the game differential played, it's still a point, a goal saved per game uh, statistical improvement. But he went from eight in 2021 to 15 in 2122. But again, in both cases, he's right at around or a third of the goals saved of the number one. So making an argument that he's a top three goaltender, not something I can support with that stat. No. Um, When you look at the league lead for shutouts, which is very much a goalie stat, he's not on the list for either year. Not the top shutout for shutouts. Shutouts. Well, in 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 last season, twenty one twenty, Demko did have a whopping one shutout. Um, however, the man I compared him to, Jacob Markstrom, had uh, I don't know like nine. Yes. Um, they played a they played a whopping difference of five minutes throughout the whole season. Yeah, five minutes. Um, you look at the save percentage list for twenty and or for twenty one twenty two. And 2021, top 10, not on the list. Um, you I'm not look arguing at, that he's, I'm not, my, basically 
all of this is leading to, I'm not saying he's not a good, a really good goaltender now, and nor can he be one in the future. He can. My argument is just that I think that Vancouver fans have a higher opinion. And we've seen this kid play at Boston College because we're here in Boston. We've been to Beanpots. We've been to tournaments. We've seen he this kid a play. 35 save percentage his senior year or his final year in college. 935. Ridiculous. Even a 925 in Hockey East, one of the two or three most competitive hockey uh, hockey conferences in the world, is still obscene. And that's playing, what, 35 of the, what, 40 or so games that they play? And 39 of the 40 yeah, they, or so games that they play? They play, they play somewhere around half the number of what they play in an AHL season, maybe slightly more, something... It, Somewhere in the in the low forties, mid forties tops, I think. Yes. But still, obscene numbers. We, yes. As I put as I put it on Twitter, I have a ra- a very rational like of Thatcher Demko. He's not nine million. You want to say he's a six million dollar goaltender? Okay, I think his numbers are close enough to Markstrom that you can you could sell me on six million dollars a year. He played. He he appeared in one more game, although Markstrom had two more starts. Markstrom won four more games. Uh, you could but sell Markstrom, me. Markstrom is playing on a yes, slightly better team. On a slightly better team, you can sell me that he is a. You could say you just you're not selling me that he's approaching Carey Price money because Carey Price money is ridiculous. Bobrovsky money is ridiculous. Uh, sorry, no, not happening. By the way, random stat of the day: the Cam Ward Award, the Cam Ward Award for 21-22 goes to Yusei Saros. Uh, he played in 67 games, started all 67, uh, 3,931 minutes on ice. Still had a 918 save percentage. That's uh, pretty solid. But <laughs> so, can you make? Have you seen anything that justifies the argument that he's a top three goaltender? No, not yet. Nope. So potential is there. Sure. Now I will state what I, I will state on air, what I have stated off air. (laughs) Unless the team is actually going for a complete rebuild, not just as we phrased it last week or as I phrased it last week, if they want to trade him because they do not expect to be competitive in the next two years, which is a different thing. Mm-hmm. Unless they're going for a complete rebuild, I don't see that it makes sense to trade Thatcher Demko. He's a young, healthy, athletic goaltender who does about as well as you can expect in that system and probably still has some upside and ability to grow. None of which contradicts anything that I said on Twitter. Pretty much all I said last week, too. <laughs> None of which contradicts anything that I said last week on the show. Nope. And I just, again, I will I ask find any it question. Amusing. I will amusing. ask any question sometimes because I want to hear what people think. Sometimes because I want to understand why they think it. I mean, why they think something is usually more important than what they actually think, at least in my world. Um, 
And speaking of Worlds, the Women's Worlds Tournament opens up on August 25th. And looking at the preliminary schedule, Mm -hmm. I don't want to be on that Japan roster. (laughs) I mean, I'm competitive, but like two of their first three games were against the U.S. and Canada. They literally opened the tournament on August 25th at Thursday, 9 a.m. Eastern time. And I guess I'm getting nothing done in my day job uh, on, th- on that Thursday because I will be watching that game. Um, in the prelims, Thursday, prelims, their first couple of games are U.S. Uh, they have a softer game against Switzerland. I still do not expect them to win that one. And then their, let's see, their third game. Third game, where did I say? Oh, they're playing Canada. And then they get to play Finland uh, for funsies um, as they're on Monday, August 29th. Are any of these games for Japan going to be for funsies? <laughs> um, well, I mean, I'm, I'm glad stop, that they- they're going to stop mattering as far as tournament advancement after like the third or fourth game. Because unless the U.S. and Canada teams cannot play or have serious, serious, serious motivation issues or are missing, like, seven players each, Japan should just pencil in those two losses right now. Finland, Czechia, I think, are their other two game early games. Not saying it's impossible. Just saying it's going to be a rough tournament. Or as as they would, as uh, some of my old coaches used to say, it's going to be a learning experience. I think it's the whole back to back days too. I mean, oh um, uh, wait, no, 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 wait, I, I've got that wrong. Japan is. Japan plays U.S. on Thursday, and they play Canada on Sunday. They do have the Switzerland match in between. Yes. My apologies. I don't know. They, they Can they beat Switzerland? I mean, is Switzerland that much of a powerhouse that you would expect? To, they, you know. I would have to look into the rankings, but I would assume that, I I would give, assume I, that Switzerland ranks much higher in the world than than does uh, Japan. Okay. I give Japan all the credit in the world going out and competing. I mean, you don't see... There are some European teams. I mean, they're the only... Like, they're the only Asian team... uh, Asian-based nation competing in this tournament. It's the U.S., Canada, Scandinavia, and Germany. Germany and Hungary. That's it. There's no Russia this year uh, for reasons. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that's it. There's Canada, Switzerland, Finland, Japan, U.S. in Group A. Group B is Germany, Hungary, Sweden, Czechia, and Denmark. Ten teams. Uh, you know, if Japan wants to make their mark, if Japan actually manages to win. It does Against Canada or the U.S., that's as good as metal for that program. And it's gonna and it's gonna send shockwaves through whichever country they beat. There's gonna be heads will roll. Oh yes, like 
heads will roll. Even if, if U.S. or Canada loses to Japan, even if they get the gold medal in the tournament, the head coach is probably still still getting fired. And I wouldn't blame them. I, like I wouldn't blame them because you have, unless Japan has had a huge infusion of talent. It, there's just not a reason for that. That said, I'm still going to be watching. Oh, I will definitely watch. I mean, they, these games are enjoyable and, and just as competitive as watching men's games. Sorry, whether you like that opinion or not, they are. It's a different style of hockey, but it's still okay. competitive. Yes. Um, we oh, are their captain approaching. Their, their captain retired in Japan, by the way. Uh, Before or after she saw the schedule? No, that's not. She, good. Yeah. It, it, well, it, the article came out on on August first, but oh, the uh, Chiho Osawa, and I apologize if I in any way butchered that, but the cap, the, the captain of the team, Chiho Osawa, thirty year old, uh, announced her retirement via Instagram today. I want to announce my retirement from hockey. Uh, in my journey, I've had a lot of wonderful memories, amazing experiences, and awesome teammates in Japan, Michigan, and Lulea. Thank you so much for everyone who supported me. I'm so excited about the next stage of my life. Up until now, my life has been as a hockey player. I met a lot of important people. Good for her. She knew hey. she would. She knew she didn't want to. She knew she was done, and and she didn't let it stretch out. There are. There are a number of athletes who probably play a couple of years too long. Um, yes, there are athletes who probably call it a career a little bit too early. I think from overall quality of life standpoint, that particularly if you've made your money, calling it a career early is probably a better thing, as long as you don't have doubts that are going to take you to really bad places or regrets or whatever, um, which I suppose can bring us full circle back to the Boston Bruins front office. Oh, hey, that's definitely full circle. Uh, Because it's August 7th, uh, 22. (laughs) Do you know where your top line and second line centers are? Do you know where your one and only trade acquisition is? Now, I did state a couple of weeks back that I didn't expect anything to happen with those two contracts, assuming anything actually happens and it's real. Um, before. Yes, but when you make a, Zaka's, uh arbitration is done. When you make a splash trade and it's the only thing you do and you're an original six team and you are hopefully an, a perennial contender for the playoffs and the one splash you made, you actually don't have on the team yet. Wait, that's a almost, problem. It almost sounds like you don't approve of the quasi trade or trade for potential. I don't approve of the fact that they didn't have a plan in place to have this done already. 
fine. You want to trade for Zaka. He's your guy. They always say, especially at the draft, if you know the guy you want, you target him. Even if you're reaching, you make the deal because that's the guy you want. Fine. Zaka was the guy they wanted. Have a plan to have him in, have him signed. The fact that you traded for this kid and he's still technically floating, you know, technically he's technically signed or technically not signed. I I still love that phrase from pre-show. Oh, yeah, yeah. We were reading the. He's not signed to anything. There's no name on a contract. There's no dotted line. There's no nothing. He's not here. There's an article from the Globe with, uh, I believe it's our good buddy uh, Kevin Paul Dupont. Okay, PD. Mm. Um, that says that Ber- Ber- Bergeron and Krejci are technically not signed. <laughs> technically not signed means you have got one too many words in there. And what is neither signed or no, and is definitely not the not. What is technically not signed? Uh, it means actually not signed. Pretty sure it means actually not signed. Ah, okay. And looking at the roster and the players currently actually signed, you know, technically signed. Well, names on contracts and, you know, dotted lines and such. On the contracts that have actually been uh, verified and certified by the league. Filed with the league. So Brad Marchand will likely be out to start the season. Yes. That's the last prognosis I heard. Um, Both McAvoy and Grizzly will likely be out to start the season. Um... Which leaves you, that's just about $18 million of your salary uh, tied up on the unexpected injured reserve, which if they're all out a month as, or average out to a month is, is a couple of million dollars in wiggle room. Um, Wait, I have a question. Are you sitting down? I am indeed sitting down. Okay. So if they are technically signed, does that mean they count against the technical salary cap? That is a technical yes. Technically, wow, good, okay. Um, but your number one center at this point is Charlie Coyle, who I seem to recall fans not being overly enthused at as the number two center, despite the fact that overall he's really, really, really loved in Boston. Well, that's because he's from East Weymouth, rumored, rumored anyway. So you're not good enough for number two center from last year. Yeah. 30 years old is now your number one center. Yeah. Well, that, mean, that just means that the guy you literally just inked to an actual signing it's been filed with the league as far as I'm aware. You know, Justin Nika is now your second line center. Except that, you know, I mean, admittedly, it's just projections. And even though Cap Bradley is pretty good at them, he's not technically projected on the fall on the opening roster for the fall. 
So you're really looking at a choice for the other center positions of the guys they're projecting, okay. including Thomas Nosek, He's Trent Frederick. He's played center. And I'm only going off of the people who list who have C listed first. Oscar Steen, who has not played center at all at the NHL level. Not that I'm aware of. Yeah. I mean, if you're going if you're going to people with as their second position, there's Nick Felino. Nope. Chris Wagner. Uh, has played some center. Wouldn't do it. Uh, if he's got him, you can if you want him as your fourth line center. OK, I'll sign. Uh, I'll go sign that one. Third line what? center. No. I want to see what else is available, including in the in in uh, Providence. No sec. If he's I mean, actually I mean, playing or second, if Chris Wagner is playing number two C, well, he is better. Well, have traded everyone on the planet making more than four million because your team is going nowhere. Well, but. Think of the strength up. Think of the strength up the middle. You have East Weymouth on the number one line. You have Walpole on the number two line. It's like a, a homecoming. Uh, you're right there. I mean, if we bring up Mark McLaughlin from, uh, <coughs> you know, you've got uh, Bill oh, Ricca. Well, there you go, Bill Ricca in the house. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and isn't there one more local boy uh, down in? Uh, I don't know if he's. A, I don't know if he's a. I don't know if he's a center though. Given the quality of centers, is that actually a problem? You think we could? Uh, you think we could convert one? I can't see how it would make things worse. Wait, wait, wait! We completely glossed over the fact that Johnny Beecher is like in in the fold. So Johnny Beecher is indeed signed. Um, Although like he's in, from, he's uh, neighbors with uh, with uh, McAvoy. He's from El, Elmira, oh, New York. Oh, New York! Isn't I, that I can't pronounce it like to, they do? So New York. Isn't that fairly? No, I don't believe it is. Never mind. But there's a the technically not signed. Is the biggest load of horse monkey. Uh huh. I've heard in a while. Because guess what? Oh, oh, left winger. Someone could stub their Matt, toe. Matt Philippe is from Newton, Mass. If you could convert him to a center. There you go. We could have the. You could have the uh, the Massachusetts center uh, position from first to fourth. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? <laughs> we even got a backup. There's a young, there's a, there's a, uh, there's a young man. I, I think he's a young man. I don't know. Liam Coughlin is he's listed as a forward, uh, 6'2", 201 pounds, but he's from South Boston, Mass. So you could even have like, Five potentially centers. Well, see, there you go. You have an extra center to throw on the ice. He, he can, uh, he can. I'm sure as a as a forward, he, you can play him in all three positions up and down the roster. 
sure. John Beecher is actually listed as forward on the Providence roster and not necessarily a center. So, sure, why not? The odd part is that, and this is very odd, Zach Senishin is actually listed on the Providence Bruins roster. Interesting. Uh, We are not going to go into that. (laughs) Damn, I tried. (laughs) Um, Is he back? Did did they send him back? (laughs) I have no idea. So here's the... Here's an interesting question that I started as a poll a little bit before we started the show. Okay. Uh, it will run through – it will run about two days, two and a half days. Um, should run – so sometime late Tuesday, early Wednesday. Also from the Globe and not uh, Mr. DuPont. Mm-hmm. Can Fabian LaSalle make the NHL roster – uh, the Bruins NHL roster out of training camp. Now, we're not giving our opinions at this time, correct? You after, know what? A, after what happened last time with the whole Demco thing, you know, I just want to make sure I should I, or should not give my opinion. <laughs> see, I'm I was actually going to give mine if you want to reserve yours until next week. OK, <laughs> that's that's up to you. Um, but looking at the Bruins roster and knowing that it is technically incomplete, mm-hmm. but the only thing that we can technically project from because of the technical facts of actually signing and having verified a contract with the league office and the mm-hmm. players association, most likely mm-hmm. the Bruins depth at right send at right wing isn't great. I mean, you have Pasternak who you, can obviously write in as your best and uh, best right wing, regardless of whether he's playing on what you're calling your first or your second line. He's technically still a Bruin. Yes, he is technically still a Bruin and technically on the active roster projection. Okay. Um, you also have Charlie Coyle, who, while listed as a center and arguably your number one center at the technical moment. Um, scary. Technically or otherwise. <laughs> He's is he your next best right wing? Because it's him, Craig Smith, and then you have a is Oscar Steen your actual next best sent right wing after David Posternak? I like Oscar Steen. Uh, I like Oscar Steen a lot. Do I expect him to actually be more productive than than Craig Smith or Charlie Coyle? If both of those two guys are having a good year, and no, I don't. No, there you go. If they are both having a good year and Oscar Steen is more productive, I will be happier than almost anyone because you and I looked at him a couple of years back and said, hey, if this kid can stay healthy and – keep the feet moving. Mm -hmm. She can play consistently in the NHL, but six points in his 23 NHL games, not quite convincing me that he should be holding down a number one or number two, uh, right wing spot in the NHL on a team that is expected to win enough to make the playoffs. 
Yeah, no. Uh, so that everything after Pasternak and Coyle, assuming he's playing right wing. If we're putting Coyle on the right wing, you have two solid right wings and Craig Smith, who is when he's on, he is on and he is if not magical, certainly a special talent. Uh, Craig Smith requires a top-notch distributor. Craig Smith, uh, I like him. I'm not sold on his ability to create his own scoring chances as much as some people are. That's, that's I feel that he, I feel he needs a very very top-notch, uh, very solid. A distributor, somebody at center who's going to get him the puck in the right spots in the right situations, and I, I think that Craig Smith has in the past created his own chances. I just don't think he's as good at it as some people do, whether it's down in Nashville or wherever he came from. I don't see it. And he's nearly 800 games into his NHL career, and he's not exactly shy physically. At 32 years old heading into this season. Mm-hmm. Actually, he'll be 33 by the time the season starts. We're, we should not expect new career highs from him. Not that it hasn't happened recently for other players, but um, 33 is a interesting place to start having new career highs. And just between you and me, I don't see that elite center on the roster who would probably going to be playing on the third line. Well, I don't know. See, I'm I'm looking at I'm looking at the website cap friendly. I'm having difficulty finding the website technical cap friendly. That must be one of those web 3.0 uh websites that m- maybe we don't have access to. Oh, okay. Or, you know what it is? It might be it might be part of the <laughs> league's, uh, media only sites. Like and the two of us don't have media passes right now, so they probably haven't shared it with us. Oh, that's got to be what it is. Yeah. Okay. Because yes, I can't find you know if they're technically on the they they should be on the technical cap friendly website, and I can't find it. Regular cap friendly obviously does not have them listed because well regular cap friendly does not, but maybe technical cap friendly does. If anyone has access to technical cap friendly and can send us a screenshot of the uh, technical signings uh, of Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci, we promise not to share your name and we will destroy the evidence as soon as it's as soon as we can see it. And we promise that in every technical sense. I think we've technically dragged this out as long as we can. Uh, we can technically try. Okay. In the meantime. In the meantime, uh, I mentioned when we opened the show that there was a, a slight quirk to. Oh, as far as LaSalle goes, I think it came out in uh, below the. We, uh, not quite directly, but I think LaSalle based on who else is available at right wing. I think he actually can make the roster out of camp. Okay. However, he would then have to keep the spot. 
And I genuinely think it's more likely he he plays 50 games plus just based on what I've seen from kids coming out. If he actually hits Providence for one to, you know, seven, eight weeks, gets called up at the first right wing injury and can come in when the other players are playing well. And he has that. One of the things about early season NHL hockey with the much shorter training camps than they were 20 years ago, 20 plus years ago, is that early season hockey is pretty sloppy, uh, which makes it harder for young players who aren't, who don't know their line mates. Uh, uh, actually, this is a, this is a DuPont story. Um, of course to adjust to the league, but it's only a DuPont story technically. No. Okay. Yeah, I do. I, I mean, I do have a question though. <clears throat> yes. And I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure this is not linked in all or in any way to the actual Twitter poll question, but if, 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 if Fabian Lysel, he is an $894,000 player. If he plays like a $5 million player, uh, should we not trade him then? Um, That depends. <laughs> I mean, what are you getting back? And is it just for cap space? Is it for an well, eligible turn? I don't know if we could trade him for Thatcher Demko. <laughs> That's something that we should explore, technically. Technically. This show has gone completely off the rails this week. Only in a technical standpoint. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Serious face. Serious face. <laughs> I'm trying. Really, I am. Okay. I do think that he can make it out of camp. Um, do I think that it's – am I going to put this at a 95% certainty? No. Do I have some goofy multi-variable standard like a certain legend of hockey conversation? Um, no, I would have to put it, I'd say there's a 60% chance. I don't think that the Bruins have been strong at right wing. I've talked about this for years and years that they're not drafting right wings. They're not developing right wings. They're not trading for right wings. They're not signing right wings. Here we have one. Wasn't Cam Neely a right wing? Uh, I thought, I thought he actually, I don't remember whether he played right or left. Or both. Uh, it's been a couple of years since he was actually on the ice in that capacity. This is true. I'm just trying to figure out why they don't draft. You know, maybe they don't have a former right wing in the front office, so maybe they they don't know what to look for. I'm I'm just there's got to be some reason they don't draft right wingers, and I don't know what that fear is, but it sounds like it's some sort of fear that you, they need to get over. Right. Re- Reach out, grab one. Chances are you're going to be better than what you have, which is, well, not much. You have David Pasternak and the other guys. No, backup singers, yeah. A um, couple of other stories to get to real quick before we wind down for the week. Um, and we're not just going to uh, technically touch them. Um, college hockey. Um, one of my favorite things, and I think the place where if I really wanted to teach someone the game of hockey 
um, and get them to learn it uh, from a standing start. Uh, I I think that's the level I would bring them to games. I think it's just fast enough that it's going to be engaging. The skill level is high enough to be engaging. Um, it's not as gritty as the ECHL, um, but <laughs> that is a that is an experience though. Um, while we were looking around for stories, I uh, came across. Uh, Tim O'Sullivan at the union leaders uh, special from yesterday. Um, St. Anselm. Uh, If you're looking for an example of a hockey of a college or university where the hockey programs are at different levels, uh, and that's the men's and women's, um, look no further. Uh, and more specifically, this is a program, this is a school where the women's team is actually Division One, and the men's team is not. They're looking to get them the same sort of exposure uh, as the women's team. And that's, that's a lot surprising. Um, I wasn't aware that there were, there were actually schools with that dynamic. Usually, usually you hear of the women's program is the one that's up and coming. They're trying to. We talked to the. We talked to uh, Carrie Ann. Yep. A couple of weeks ago from from Colorado State, and she's trying to get the women's. Actually, they're trying to get both the men's and the women's, but they're trying to elevate the women's program. It, it is rare that you hear that the women's program is the team that is the program that has the branding profile opportunities and that they're trying to get the men's program to have those same opportunities and exposure because the women's program is already D one already getting branded already getting it's already out there. And now they has five scholar, five players coming in on scholarships this year, um, the women's team. So that's, that's not a, that's not a team that is just, there for the there for the exposure they they're committed to it that's real money coming out of the school's actual pockets to put those players on the ice so they've got, um, they've got they got Bob DiGregorio and if you're from New England you've probably heard his name before at least I I have not researched it so if I am incorrect please lambaste me on Twitter all you want but if I'm not mistaken Bob DiGregorio was also involved with uh mini one-on-one on on Nesson during the Bruins games. Uh, that's where I first heard his name. He's been, he's actually working with St. Anselm's and a couple of the other schools at their level, trying to c- convince them that they should form their own division one conference and call themselves a division one conference. They won't be recognized by the NCAA but the only thing, according to the article, the only thing that means is that they don't get an automatic bid into the national tournament. But they can still have playoffs. They can still have a champion. And they can still fight for at-large bids, from what I'm reading. They just don't get recognized. They don't. They just don't get an automatic bid. Uh, and there's a moratorium on creating new conferences for the next two years, which is why he's saying get together now, have a two year, get your conference together. Two years from now, you actually become division one or apply for it. 
and and do what you got to do. But I think it's fabulous that they developed the women's program first. I mean, you don't hear that. It's just no, not something don't. that you hear of. It, 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 that's awesome. I mean, my, and my sister went to St. A's, so I. It was before all of this happened because they became a Division One women's ice hockey team. Went Division One in 2017, and they had a really good record last year: 16, 13, uh, and three, 547 uh, win percentage. They were 11, six, and three in their conference for uh, 625 points percentage. Um, that's that's a and, strong show. And they, and they definitely. About no, go ahead. Because you're talking about playing some of the best uh, women's teams in in the area. You've got uh, Dartmouth, you've got Brown, you've got Harvard, you've got Yale, you've got Northeastern. I mean, Northeastern is a powerhouse who just <laughs> runs over everyone at this point. Um, that's, that's not a bad record. They had... Uh, they played three games in the uh, NEWHA championship. Um, they won. They beat St. Michael's in the first round. Uh, they beat uh, LIU in the second round and lost to Franklin Pierce uh, in the third round. But they they lost one nothing. They they weren't blown out at the top of their conference and they're. In a in a uh, in a game that's it's a one a one goal game in a championship. I don't care what what it is. That means you showed up, and that was after that was after their final regular season game against Franklin Pierce. They did lose three to one, um, but their previous game uh, they had played against them. Uh, tight game that went to overtime. This is a team that people should be talking about as far as women's hockey goes. Um, I kind of, I haven't managed to look it up or I haven't managed to see if there's any of these players who have made it to the PHF or the, uh, or into women's pro hockey yet, but pretty sure it surprised me. Pretty sure their goaltender, Ali Kelly, is going to get either drafted or signed on to a PHF team. Um, and and the thing is that St. A's has they've actually their goaltender actually transferred from Quinnipiac, which another D1 powerhouse. Uh, and the comment about the five scholarships is that the belief is that they're not offering enough. And that other teams could use the transfer portal and try and lure this young lady, Allie Kelly, away. Apparently, she's the main reason that they uh, won so many games. I mean, she's handling games where they're being outshot four and five to one at times. And yet they still finished with the winning record. And, and the possibility of losing her to another D1 school but she's a junior now, so yeah, I guess if you pull her away for one more season, if you're a if you're a school like a Northeastern or something that has want of running for the national championship, and hey, let's try to grab 
Allie Kelly away from St. A's because look what she's managed to do with their program. <laughs> uh, absolutely. I, I think that, you know, you have to. But if they get in that kind of note, if they get in that, that kind of notice, that kind of notoriety, clearly they're doing something right. They're doing something right. And I love it. Like, you and I will talk hockey anytime, anywhere, regardless of whether anyone else in the room even can tell a hip check from a paycheck. This is how uh, you the game. We will talk hockey all day long. Oh, yeah. Uh, before we go, there's two other things real, real quick. Uh, maybe three other things real quick. Um, came across the first uh, draft story or draft report that I really found interesting. It is right winger Matthew Wood. Um, it's off of um, NHLentryDraft.com, a.k.a. FC Hockey. Um, the report is pretty eye-opening and hugely positive. Um, six foot three, 181 pounds, playing for the Victoria Grizzlies of the BCHL. Um, when you start off a draft report with Wood was the player I was most looking forward to seeing at this camp after dominating the BCHL ranks and leading the league in scoring as a 16-year-old. You're setting a pretty high level for it. I'm not sure that the actual number rankings justify it. Yeah, but he's a right wing, so he's never going to be a Bruin. Probably true. (laughs) Um, But the... The report uh, concludes with a pro style six foot four, um, but he called him a center here. So maybe there's hope with a well-balanced offensive toolbox is on every scout's wish list and woods checks all these boxes. I could easily seeing him, see him being selected in the top 10. It compares his, uh, that's a big statement. The scout, the scout Donesh Mazloum actually, uh, says his stride is reminiscent to Alexander Barkov. Slight sitting posture, fairly labored foot speed, but pace is still generated efficiently. He has has had a size and strength advantage at every level he's played at, although once he starts getting closer to the NHL, that advantage is going to dwindle oh, a little keep bit. Reading, keep reading that part. Oh, okay. What is it? Was Wood has had a size and strength advantage at every level he's played at, and the fact that he hasn't used it as a crutch, and instead found a way to build a depth of quality around it, is a testament to the maturity in his game. That's that was one of the parts that stuck out most to me in this just short of glowing uh, draft report. I mean, it, or prospect. It, it, report you read this report and it's it 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 is it is a lot of uh sunshine and roses all over the place he plays with an impressive amount of nuance in his positioning has a knack for being in the right place at the right time smarts extended play with possession balanced threat in the offensive zone finesse to stick handle through tight spaces power to bull past weaker opposition awareness to use his teammates when defenders overextend i mean it, it it is a lot of Sunshine and roses, as I say, I would be interested to know what he thinks this young man needs to work on. 
know, that's he, that's the part he, that sort of came up after taking a few minutes to think about it, because the number grades don't necessarily line up with that sort of prognostication, particularly that last line about being a top 10 pick. Mm -hmm. Um, Plus he is still playing in the BCHL. That's almost certainly by any objective standard, a step down from this, the collective CHL and USHL level. Um, Can he still be selected in the top 10? Sure. I want to see what the reports look like deeper into the year, but there's no reason not to keep an eye on him. No, I'm not. No, absolutely. One eye on him is not a bad idea at all. I'm like I said, I'm just curious to know what I love all the sunshine and roses. I just want to know what he needs to work on. What, what are the negatives in his game? Is he, does he have deep? Does he struggle to get back on defense? Does he, you know, does he make bad outlet passes? Is he I, I, is he overhandling the puck on shots? Give me something. Yeah, it can't all be perfect. I mean, this this kid would have been talked about long before now if he was. He'd have probably had exceptional status by now. Um, and Dominic Tiano, uh, in a tweet that you grabbed for us, um, says something interesting that I think that I understand why it hasn't happened. Um, I understand why people think it should happen. And I also have a possibly better alternative for a different tournament. Mm -hmm. The Ivan Holinka, well, it's now the Holinka Gretzky cup. It used to be the Ivan Holinka. Then it was the Holinka um, and I'm sure 20 years from now, it'll be the Kalinka Gretzky Crosby tournament or something like that. Um, is international, it's five to seven teams. It's, it varies uh, with the situation in Europe right now. It's uh, probably missing a team or two. But Dominic Tiano's tweet today, I know many have made this argument for me, but time I throw my hat into the ring Time for Team Canada to have three entries in the Holinka Gretzky Cup. Team Canada Q from the QHO, uh, QMJHL. Team Canada O from the OHL. And Team Canada W from the Western Hockey League. Not going to argue with that one because we could argue about it both ways for at least two shows. Yeah, I get his point. There's just... I get his point about it making uh, being more competitive. My counterpoint and the basis for a new tournament. Make a tournament where you're actually going to get the top X number of goaltenders, the top X number of skaters, you know, defensemen and forwards, you know, maybe you do it purely by position. You know, someone is playing the majority of their shifts at center. They're a center, regardless of whether they prefer to play the wing. Someone is playing the majority of their shifts at right wing, even though their natural position is left wing. They get, they get drafted into this tournament at that 
and you play it with a bunch of the prospects, regardless of nationality, on a bunch of teams, you you let one or two, you get one or two former players or current big name players from the NHL or KHL or wherever to be the team mascot, team patron, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, maybe Patrice Bergeron is the guy behind one team and you have Marco Sturm uh, behind another team and you have Alex Ovechkin behind another team and maybe Patrick Kane is the dude behind another team. Um and you just take these young players, you give them a month or two after they're drafted into this team to talk online, get used to each other, coaches to start discussing systems and everything with them online. You get them to camps, you start them playing there, um, and everyone who's drafted actually plays unless they're injured. And you have those teams with the roster plus extra players just showing the best players, not by nation, because they're not going to be playing in their pro careers by nation. They're going to be playing with players at a similar level from anywhere in the world, unless you're Montreal or Boston and you draft players from screaming distance of your city. My my argument my argument here, or my my argument with this with this idea of Twitter. I he wants to get more youngsters into the tournament, get more youngsters visibility. Yes. But if you're only going to do it for Canada, eh, I mean, the United States is a big country. Whether you think that they're as good, not as good, better, what, whatever you feel, I mean, there's still a large population. You know, are we making the same exceptions and having more kids uh, or multiple? entries from the United States as well. How are Germany and Slovakia and other countries going to feel about that? And that's why I like my idea better. Just the top, call it eight teams for simple math. You have the top, if you're going to go with two, just two goaltenders for the tournament, you have the top 16 goaltender prospects. You have the top, uh, you know, six t- or seven times eight teams defensemen, 12 or 13 times eight teams forwards, put them into the camps or draft them into the teams, put them uh, into the pre into like the pre draft or the pre camp uh, conferences so that they can talk to each other, get a get a handle on the system before they go before they arrive. Yeah. You know, language issues can be smoothed out at least a little bit. Sure. And then you go into the camp, you have those eight teams worth of players. If it happens that there are if the if it happens that the roster is 160 Canadians, eh. If it happens that, you know, in a given year that there happen to be forty seven players in that number who are from Finland, which is a tiny country. Okay, they're ranked there. They should be there. Um, same so thing with Chechia or, if you know, we were talking about women's hockey a few minutes ago. Yeah. Japan. If Japan shows up with, you know, six players uh, who are draft quality, 
there's no reason they shouldn't be at the tournament. Remove remove country. Remove nation as a consideration. Make it the world's premier prospect tournament. Tournament. And just have team A, B, C, D, or, or get sponsors or whatever. Get sponsors, name them after given players, whether it's Hall of Famers or active players or... Yeah, so you have Team Eiserman, Team Bork, Team Orr, Team Crosby, Team... Team Hashik. Yeah, okay. Get rid of the... I realize that they got it's international, so they got to make it about... Country. No, it doesn't. It should actually be about the players, not necessarily about country. And I think that using that, <coughs> using that format, you can get around excluding player... Excluding 16 and 17-year-olds from the foibles of their elders who they didn't have any ability to put in place or remove. Your Matthew, your, your prospect there, Matthew Wood played in this tournament, five games had five points. Not a terrible showing. No. Um, and we were going to try and end on a good note, but we're going to end on a, saltier note um uh, you sure we can't Michigan hockey okay uh has in a cross sport maneuver punted Mel Pearson it sounds to me like this is something that had to happen I don't care what <laughs> it he had to go um this there's a couple of articles from the athletic uh, if you want the short, 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 short version, um, Mel and Babcock have been reading from the same playbook of how to be obnoxious coaches, um, how to betray player trust and uh, belittle. Uh, there's okay. There are no allegations that I managed to see of. Sexual misconduct. Um, but the article states that the female staffers desired greater protection, I guess, is a nice way to put it. Yeah. Uh, he lied to players a lot. He lied to just not a person I would want to play direct with. directed players to lie. I mean, according to, according to the second article and I, yeah. I looked at them backwards because the first thing I saw was Mel Pearson out. And then there's a link in that article that goes back to a more in depth article about what happened or allegedly what happened to be, um, but, yeah, the first article that I read, serious allegations, forced a former team captain out of the program, lie, directed players to lie on COVID-19 contact tracing forms. Okay. <laughs> Directing your players to lie <laughs> all by itself, all by itself should be a resume-generating event. Yes. Whether you think that the – whatever you think – good, bad, or indifferent about the way that COVID was handled on the global, national, state, county, sports levels. 
when you direct players to lie, when you that's that's abuse of power. And, and I was going to say in the, in the situation that he's in as their head coach in college, and could have a direct effect on any multitude of avenues. I mean, not just in their college career, but in their you know, I could I, I could make some calls to some to some agents, and you're not going to get you're not going to get it seen anywhere. You know, what kind of threats is he making? It, it just leads to so many more questions. I think the one thing about this that really bothered me more than anything else, and I, you know me, I'm a Michigan guy. I talk about Michigan yep. hockey players and, and the talent that they can bring in and, and whatnot. I, this bothered me most. Athletic director Ward Manuel said, quote, this decision has been weighed heavily and for some time. We welcomed an independent third-party review into the climate and culture of our program before furthering our assessment in lockstep with campus leadership, end quote. And then he went on to say, today's announcement reflects the seriousness with which we've heard and the values we hold dear at Michigan, end quote. Okay. Weighed heavily and for some time. He is a terrifying what, statement. What, what the hell were you waiting for? I look. There's I, I, that bothers me. I mean, I like I said, I'm a Michigan fan. I root for Michigan football. I root for Michigan hockey. I, I this it is, was a program that I applied to when I was going to colleges. I, you know, it, I wanted to go to Michigan. It's and to see a quote like that weighed heavily in for some time. Uh, you don't move quickly, uh, move with a little bit of alacrity. Uh, it, this is not a situation where you move with deliberation. If you have done an investigation, because occasionally there, there are occasions where there are false accusations and they can be proved. Well, yeah. I mean, you look at but you look it, at a Vander Kane situation. I mean, obviously, allegations disproved. I mean, it can happen. But if you, you move quickly, the allegations, you take action as quickly as your governing rules allow you. Doing anything else is saying that we're doing this more for reputation than because we believe it's the right thing. It just that that's that, all I have to say on the topic that bothered me is they just didn't do this for the right reasons. And even looking at the statement, they're not talking about protecting the players. They're not even talking about protecting uh, the staff. No, this is all about protecting the University of Michigan's Im, uh, image. I'm not I'm not even prepared to go that far. I think it's more about protecting themselves from going down on the same heap of the, the same the same burning barge that is yeah. Mel Pearson. Yes. And also a that, very good, also a very good possibility. Yeah. On that unfortunate and unsavory note, um, I think that's where we're going to leave you. Are we ending technically or for real? I think both. Oh, okay. So the technical end is right now. 
And the real end is right after we say a couple more words. Like, thank you very much for listening. Please share the show with your friends. There's only a little bit of summertime left. Go outside and get a little bit of sun, get a little bit of fresh air before it's time to show up at the rinks again. I was going to say 47. Walk yourself in front of the TV for a full season of hockey. Roughly 45 days till till on ice activities again? Absolutely. And yes, yes, yes. August 25th, 9 a.m. Eastern time, uh, U.S. Eastern time. Women's IIHF starts. Um, on we ice hockey. mention it on the show, but uh, Montreal of the PHF has made really strong progress building their roster. Go ahead and check uh, check out what they've done. Seven Let signings already. <clears throat> Seven Have signings on that franchise. Yeah. Have a great week. week. And we will be back. Take care.